Have you read any the book of an orphan with her sisters? Well, not really sisters, but orphan sisters. They being treated like jail people. They gotta clean. They gotta work. They don't get any free time. At school that they go to, no one knows why people are mean or unfair. Annie is the only child there that have parents, or do she, does she? Have they died? Are they still there? No one actually knows. Annie is trying to escape. Does she make it or will she fail? Is there a nice life in her way? Or is it just an orphan till she dies? Is that all the book is? It's a hooking story and I hope that you will read on or listen on depending for the book have fun chapter one long ago the still and dark early hours of the morning of the first of january 1933 a light snow was falling in the chilly desert streets of downtown New York. Time slowly passed, and then the wintry quiet was broken by the clanging of bells. Trolling 4 a.m. Dong! Dong! In the steeple of St. Mark's in the Bowery, a couple of blocks from the church, on State Mark's place in the second floor dormitory of the New York City Monocopal Orphans, girl annex, girls annex, an 11-year-old girl stood alone at the frosty window, shivering in a thin white coat, nightgown, she, white cotton nightgown. She listened to the trolling of the bells, dong. As she watched the snow swirling downward in the light of the street lamp. From time to time, she looked earningly on way up the street. One way up the street, then the other way down. She was waiting for someone to come for her, to take her away from the orphan, but no one came. Thin somewhat. Short for her age, the girl had a slightly upturned nose and an unruly mop of straightish, short-cut red hair. But her most striking features were shiny blue-gray eyes that seemed strangely to reflect at the same time a deep sadness and great 
irrembracely joy and a sharp intelligence. Her name was Annie. In the cold, drafty dormitory, the other girls, 17 of them, had long been asleep, mumbling and constantly crying out in their dreams. As they turned restlessly in Narrow's bed under scratchy draft army blankets, but Annie had been awake all night, earningly trying to fall asleep. She's been kept awake by the straight sounds of New York's Eve Revolution's shouting voices, drunken singers, and honks of the car horns, and the raccoons blowing of noise making long after midnight through when all had grown quiet on street St. Mark's place. The snow had been to fall, begun to fall. Annie still hadn't been able to sleep, and at last she got up from her bed to stand at the window to keep a silent vigil. The snowy night to wait for long as she could remember. Annie hadn't been able to sleep on New York's Eve because New York's Eve marked the anniversary of the night the eleven year old the year, eleven years earlier when she'd been left as a two month old baby in a tangled wicked bear it on the front step of the orphan's bed. Someone had rung the doorbell and then run off in the night. Annie had been wrapped in a faded pink wooden blanket and had been wearing a broken half of a silver locket around her neck. And there had been an unsigned note pinned to the blanket. Please take good care of our little darling. The note read, her name is Annie. We love her very much. She was born on October 28th. We will be back soon to get her. We have left half of the lock around her neck and kept the other half so that when we come back for her, we will know that she's our baby. Because she'd been left at the orphanage on a New Year's Eve, Annie had gotten it onto her head that somehow her mother and father would come back to get her on another New Year's Eve. So each year, while the other children counted the days until Christmas, Annie instead counted the days until New Year's Eve. But year after year, she'd been disappointed. Her father and mother didn't come back for her, and now it seemed pretty certain that they wouldn't come they weren't coming for this year either, as the snow fell more heavily now. Annie sighed and rubbed her eyes to keep from crying. They said they loved me and were coming back for me. It's in the note, whispered Annie to herself in the dark. Where are they? Why haven't they came for me? And he collapsed the broken silver locket and hung around her neck, always night and day, and squeezed it tightly in her breast.
Mama, Mama, Mommy, Mama, Mommy, Mama. The little orphan in the orphanage. Six-year-old Molly had wakened from a nightmare and she was crying out for her mom. But Molly's mother had died two years before in a car accident and her father had been killed in the same crash. So all through she was an extraordinary beautiful child. Molly was an orphan who nobody wanted to adopt. An orphan like all of the other girls in the orphanage, except Annie. Annie was different because she had a mother and father somewhere. Mama, mommy, cried Molly, waking up the girls in the bed around her. Shut up, shouted Peppa from the next bed. Can't you? You can't get nobody any sleep around here. Duff grumbled. Duffy. Mama, mommy, screamed Molly again. I said, shut up, you little trap, Molly, said Peppa, getting angrily out of her bed, picking Molly up and shoving her down on the floor. At 14, Peppa was the oldest and the biggest of the orphans, a pug-nosed rascally with her face full of freckles, a long tusked hair, and that was even redder than Annie's. Ah, stop pushing the poor little kid around, said Julie. She ain't done nothing to you, 12-year-old, the sweetest of the orphans, if not exactly the prettiest. Julie had received her name because, simply enough, she had abandoned as a baby as the orphan on the 4th of July. She keeping me awake ain't she peppa snapped back at julie no you're keeping us awake said julie you want to make something out of this said peppa walking over to julie's bed on the jack demp side of the orphanage said julie and in the moment, she and Peppa were rolling on the floor and shrieking, pulling each other's hair, fighting. They woke up the eight-year-old Tessie in her bed at the far end of the dormitory. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness, there's a fighting. I won't get any sleep all night, whined Tessie. A pale, frightened girl with blonde pigtails a thin peaked nose and scarcely any chin at all. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness! Annie had been silent watching from the window, but now she stepped forward and broke up the fight between Pep and Julie. Come on, you two, cut it out! And go back to bed, commanded Annie, pulling the fighting girls apart. Oh, nuts to you, Annie, muttered Pepper glowing as she stomped back to her bed, but she was a good deal smaller than Pepper. Annie was recognized by all the orphanages as the toughest among them, and even Pepper was afraid of her, the smartest of the orphans too, and the knowledge leader, especially in the never-ending battles with the headmistress of all.
orphanages. Miss Angatha Hangman. Peppa started in stared at Annie. Peppa started it, Annie, said Julie, pushing Molly down. I know, said Annie, patting Julie on the shoulder. Okay, Annie, said Julie. But you've got to go back to sleep, all of you. So all the girls climbed back into their beds as Annie went to comfort Molly, who was still crouching on the floor. Kneeling beside Molly, Annie pulled the child into her arms. It's all right, Molly. Annie's here, said Annie, gently stroking Molly's long black hair. It was my mama, Annie, the mo- said Molly, tears streaming down her face, face, flushed cheeks. We were riding on the ferry boat, and she was holding me to see all the big ships, and then there was a walking away, waving, and I couldn't find her no more anywhere. It was only a dream, honey, said Annie, drying Molly's tears with her sleeve of her nightgown. gown. Now you got to go back to sleep, and it's four o'clock, and Annie, said Molly, read me your note again, again, Annie. Please, said Molly. Okay, Molly, said Annie, from the battered wicker basket under her bed, the same basket in which she'd been left in at an orphanage, and in which she kept her few belongings. Annie took the note and started to read it out loud by the pale light and slanted in from the street lamp outside. And he had folded it and unfolded it so many times that it nearly fell apart. It was written in a round feminine hand on a square and blue cardboard. Please take good care of our little darling, said Annie Begin. Her name is... Oh no, here it comes again, groaned Pepper. In the years that they'd been together in the orphanage, Annie had read her note out loud to the orphans over average to perhaps two or three times a week. Her name is Annie, said Duft in a mocking song voice, a tubby 13-year-old with a pudding face and scratchy blonde hair. Pepper was Duffy's best friend. She was born on October 2018th. Duffy went on, we will be back to get her. And now all the orphans began to laugh at Duffy. Began laughing with Duffy retelling of the note. All that is but Molly and Tessie. Oh my goodness, now they're laughing and I won't get no sleep all night, whined Tessie. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Annie angrily stood up, put her hand on her hips, and faced the laughing girls. All right, said Annie. Do you want to sleep with your teeth inside your mouth or out? Silence, everyone included Pepper, uh, laid quietly back down in her bed. Annie finished 
reading the note and then folded it with great care and put it back in her basket. Now Annie picked up Molly and carried her to her bed. She tucked her little girl in under the covers and kissed her lightly on her forehead. Good night, Molly, said whispered Annie. Good night, Annie, whispered Molly. You're lucky, Annie. I dreamed of having a mother and father, but you really got them. I know, said Annie. Somewhere, somewhere, in a few minutes, Molly and the other orphans had fallen back to sleep, but Annie still couldn't sleep. And she went again to the window and looked out on the falling snow. At the window, she drifted into a walking dream nearby. She thought, oh, maybe far away, her father, she knew, was a big strapping man who laughed and smiled a lot of times, who'd pick her up in her arms and give her a big hug and whirl her around the room. He was a lawyer, or maybe even a doctor, who helped poor people. And her mother was a kind gentlewoman who got golden blonde hair, who played songs on the piano and sewed even better than professional dressmakers. She made dozens of beautiful dresses for Annie. The dresses, all the colors of the rainbow, were hanging in the closet waiting for the day when Annie came home. Annie and her parents lived in the country in a vine-covered house on the hills. There was a broad front lawn and from the porch they could see for miles across the green meadows to a distant winding river on summer afternoon. Annie, her mother and her father, the three of them together, would walk across the meadows to the river and had a picnic of deviled eggs and lemonade while they watched swans gliding by. In her room in the house, Annie had a canopy bed and three-story dollhouse and a red and white hoppy horse and a horse-dawn milk wagon came clattering around the corner. Click, clock, click, clock, click, clock, click, clock, click, clock. Waking Annie with a start from her review. She heard the sounds of the milk wagon outside the window in the early morning. Ever since she could remember, Annie began thinking back now on all of her long years in the orphanages and almost none of them were happy memories. We'll be right back for a short little break. If you like the book Annie, please recommend it to the library or ask them if they have it. If you didn't, please move on with your life. But if you are a sad and loving, adventurous person, you would surely like that book. 
if you don't have it or you don't want to check out a book, it's fine. Keep looking at this because there will be new updates every week if I want to read it.